0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710 710.
1: Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Monday, July 12th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. One you can jump aboard by texting in 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text line tweeting at Gallant Says... Oh, my goodness, what a weekend for the Mariners. And I know it was spoiled by the end on Sunday, but let's go back to Friday. If I could turn back time. DJ Wilder not having it. I got it stuck in his head today. Sorry, I do that to everybody at 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back. You get songs stuck in your head as a result of it. What a moment on Friday night. It's the eighth inning. The Mariners have been clawing their way back into a game. Didn't start off so well because Marco Gonzalez had some of his – struggles that we've been seeing all year long. But they're trailing, and all of a sudden, J.P. Crawford has one of, I think, the most exhilarating walks that you're going to see in quite some time. I mean, it was quite the at-bat. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm really excited. and I had had a long day on Friday, so that at-bat got me going. Then all of a sudden, Mitch Haniger came to the plate. Mitch Hanniger trying to give the Mariners a lead here in the bottom
0: of the eighth inning. Wise back to the Angels' dugout. Base is loaded, two down. Here's the stretch, and the 2 nothing pitch. Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going and going. Grandma, get out the right bread and mustard. It is Grand Salami time. Mitch Hattiger with a grand... And the Mariners have the lead. 7-3 to is 20th home run of the season.
1: And Hanniger clears the bases. Holy smokes, what a shot by Haniger! It was awesome. I mean, that was, I think, just in totality from the J.P. Crawford at bat to the Mitch Hanniger home run. I think, in a nutshell, what this season has been, that was it. It's been... Fun. You're not really sure what to expect on a night-to-night basis. But it was a really awesome moment. And I think the way that J.P. Crawford talked about it after the fact, too, was particularly cool.
2: Oh, boy. I, feel, I got the chills right now. That was one of the coolest moments ever. You can't even hear yourself think around the bases. And, you know, hey, he's our guy. And it couldn't happen to a better guy. And, you know, he just get the line moving and someone steps up all the time. And it's great. I love this team. Love this lineup and what we got
1: going on right now. That moment was great. Again, I'm, I think we're going to have more moments like this the rest of the year. We've had a couple already. Shed had long hitting a grand slam. J.P. Crawford with the walk-off hit that he had, to, But to this point, this year, that moment got me the most riled up. I stood up from my chair and started shouting expletives and excitement because I was really pumped up about what just took place there. That was an awesome moment, really. Truly incredible. Now, the Mariners lost 7-1 yesterday. They were not able to get the sweep of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of California, of the United States of North America, formerly of Pangaea. They weren't able to get it done But afterwards, Scott Service said something that I feel like for those, and there are some naysayers out there who are just waiting for the other shoe to drop with this Mariners team, and I get it over the history of this team, some of the issues that they have had, obviously. But Scott Service said don't let Sunday ruin what this team's been doing of late. Restored today, really just didn't get enough offense going, but uh, I don't want it to to overshadow a lot of the the really positive things that we have done here over the first few months of the season, and we've put ourselves in a position to play really – uh, meaningful games, I think. Uh, once we get back from the break, leading into the trade deadline, and and see what uh, August and September uh, has in
3: store for us.
1: They have done to this point the following: they've won 14 of their last 21, they've won six of the past eight series, they have the 12th easiest schedule remaining in baseball. They are 48 and 43 right now. They were a season high six games over 500 on Saturday, 48 and 42. They are the first team out of the playoffs right now, just three and a half games behind Tampa Bay and Oakland. So today's question of the day on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Describe the Mariners' first half of the season in just one word, and here's my answer. My word is sustainable. Yeah, I think this exact level of play is sustainable. They're winning games that they probably shouldn't. Yeah, I know. But you got three really good starting pitchers, right? Yusei Kakuchi, who is your all star. We'll see what's going on with him and COVID 19. I think if he gets one more negative test, he'll still be able to pitch in tomorrow's game. He did get a positive test and got a negative test afterwards. He's vaccinated. I'm not really 100% sure what's taking place. And I think that's kind of been, by and large, the typical. <laughs> we're not 100% sure what's going on when it comes to anything that's COVID related. But anyway, Yusei Kakuchi has been great. Chris Flexen has been great. Logan Gilbert last couple of starting uh starting appearances that he's had starting appearances last couple of starts that he's had he's been great so you have three i think very good starting pitchers you have two maybe three reliable bullpen arms you have Paul Sewald you have Kendall Graveman Drew Steckenrider's been pretty good of late and as far as the lineup goes yeah needs more needs more pop it's Mitch Haniger it's JP Crawford it's every now and then a Nice night at the plate for Kyle Seager, who has a bone bruise in his shin, so we'll see how long he's out for. Not sure if he's going to get placed on the injured list. I guess we'll find that out probably later today. And, yeah, Ty France has been good too. But inconsistent, by and large, afterwards, Jake Fraley's been good of late. But reinforcements are still coming. They've been doing this without Kyle Lewis. Hopefully Kyle Lewis is back by the end of the year. They've been doing this without Jared Kelnick. Jared Kelnick might be back by the end of the week. They've been doing this, for the most part, until yesterday, without Cal Raleigh did not get a hit in his first major league appearance over four at the plate, but it's a young baseball team. And while I'm not maybe as optimistic as Danny might be about the future of the hitters on this team, at least in 2021, I still feel like there is only room to go up. It's just a matter of how far up will they go. So, well, they've been getting wins with a lot of run without a lot of run support and there's been a lot of comeback victories and there's been a lot of one run victories. At a certain point, I think skepticism has to resign here. And while I'm not there yet, I can see myself getting there and to ask this team to play at this level and be hovering around the playoff race, probably overtaken by a couple of teams that are in pursuit of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's and the wild card spot. Like I, I don't I don't think they'll be the last team out of the playoffs, but I do think that they can finish the season a couple of games over five hundred. And I'm curious too if you guys feel that way too. 710 Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line described the first half of the Mariners season in just one word. Hashtag dare to dream is one word as a hashtag. That is true. <laughs> Another text, Pangea. Hmm. That's true. I mean, Pangea was very early in the world's development. Right? I mean, way back in the day. Were the dinos in existence then? Did things break up at that point? We may never know. You're welcome for that take on geography. Uh, Success, exciting, entertaining. Yeah, I think for the most part, these are the words that you need to be putting out there. Ascending, ooh. Another texture. you know what, this one's good. It's simple, in. He's in. I'm in right now too. You guys should be in. If you're one of the naysayers, come on. you Put a little sunshine in your coffee, okay? Every now and then, it's okay. It's, it's okay to have sugar every now and then or to eat an entire sleeve of Oreo cookies. I'm Paul Gallant. It is the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710, 710, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. By the way, you want to watch me? 710sports.com slash video. How pasty are you, Paul? Very pasty. You can also listen on your 710 app or on your smart speaker. Right now, it's 1010. That means it's time for What's Trending with DJ Wilder. Good morning, afternoon, DJ Wilder. How are you now? Oh,
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Paul?
1: I cannot complain because the Mariners, it was a nice first half of the season.
0: Very nice first half of the season. Very nice.
1: I think, yeah,
0: my word is just fun. It's just a lot of fun and you know what else is fun the Mariners the MLBA amateur draft was last night the Mariners had the 12th overall pick and they drafted Harry Ford He is a catcher and this is the interesting part to me and also outfielder out of North Cobb High School in Georgia and Jason Churchill was on about an hour and ten minutes ago and he said he can even play second base too and uh, interestingly enough this is the first time Jerry DePoto has drafted a high schooler in the first round during his tenure with the Mariners
1: we'll have Jerry DePoto on Thursday and we'll definitely ask him him about why he decided this time around to take a high schooler but everything that you read about him this guy's a freak athlete I mean he's a catcher but he could play outfielder or or infield and I think that's good to have somebody that can play a variety of different positions and Churchill also outlined this with us and check it out on the Danny and go podcast about all the versatility that he brings to the table that means that he can basically vault into wherever the Mariners see fit potentially down the road in the lineup maybe if he's good as a third baseman maybe he's your third baseman of the future Maybe Ty France can slide in at first base in case Evan White never actually turns into the guy that the Mariners thought they were getting when they signed him to that extension, you know? And that's so far down the road, too. We're talking probably, at best, four or five years because he's a high schooler, you know? It's going to take some time for him to get up to speed, but he's got some freakish descriptions about him in a good way, and that's certainly intriguing. A guy who has speed but catches Never see that. I don't know why it is. Catchers are just lugs. Nothing against catchers. It's weird though. Like catchers always seem to be the guy that is the slowest in the field. I don't know if it was was it was it Luis Torrens that we saw hit a triple over the weekend, and like we're like, whoa, wait, wow. I mean, I can't believe he got to third in one piece.
0: Oh, they're definitely usually big bodies. Not yeah, like,
1: they're definitely not fat.
0: No, they're they're big bodies. Like they're they're big dudes. Thick. Yes. Thick. That's a good
1: word. Yes. Two C's. Not quite three C's. What's up next? Tonight. 8 p.m.
0: NBC. We finally get to see our very own Jake Heats
1: on American
0: Ninja Warrior. How excited are you for this, ball? I am ecstatic that this is finally happening.
1: I'm pretty excited. I'll be honest. I was more excited about the 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 possibility that when I first started playing fly football here in Seattle that I might get to play Jake Heaps in a game because he was playing at the same high school as me. I was more excited about that. Never happened. But this is very exciting. And I'm curious as to what the tricks are to get ready for something like this. Like, Do you do somersaults and cartwheels around your apartment or your house? I mean, Jake does have a big backyard, so I'm sure that he could practice in as many ways as he possibly could to get to that level where you're able to essentially run through an obstacle course that involves some very interesting obstacles. One of them is there's like a chin-up bar and you have to like move the chin-up bar up. Um, There's also water that you might fall into. Is Jake going to fall into the
0: water? I hope not. Well, I don't know but uh, I'm not really spoiling anything because I don't know the result but I'm just saying based on the picture that Jake posted on Twitter about three hours ago, saying that today is the day his run on Ninja Warrior airs tonight. This was an experience I'll never forget. The picture showed him doing the pull-up bar, but it's on a ladder across. I mean, not the one you have to push up. It's the one you have to... It's oh. a different one, where it, it, which seems insanely difficult. But I'm saying I think we can um, assume that he made it past at least the first obstacle. Ooh, okay. Well, I that's think, good. Unless he asked them to take a picture of him just hanging there. I don't know. But, yeah.
1: Legitimately all... I'm hoping for from Jake is just get through the first couple of them, right? And and everything after that's gravy because it is, it is really hard, but there's nothing worse than being the guy who like just wipes out right away, right? And we've definitely seen that on American Ninja Warrior. If you've ever watched that show, sometimes you'll just see somebody who like the first step, it's almost like that TV show, most extreme elimination challenge, get it on and That show has become farcical. That show always was farcical. That's how you become, I don't know, a joke on on America's Ninja Warrior. So so, uh, no pressure, Jake. No pressure, but it's already in the can. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for that. Uh, 8 o'clock tonight, NBC? Okay, let's do it. All right, that's what's trending, everybody, with DJ Wilder 1015, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. This hour of The Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. All right, time to unleash the hounds. 206 421 is how you call in. You can text in to 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. How would you describe the Mariner season thus far using just one word? You get to answer that now. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your voice. Your
3: opinions. It's time to be heard. be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul
1: Gallant. Be heard. 7 10, 7, 10. Here comes some of the pessimism. This is what's going to happen, Paul. The Mariners are going to go. The Mariners. A little slump after the break. And then they're going to make a trade at the trade deadline. They can't trade Mitch Haniger. I think that based off of Friday night, Not just that, but based off of what you've seen out of him the entire first half of the year, we're a little over halfway through. The guy's got 20 home runs. The guy's picking Edgar Martinez's brain before games about his approach, his mentality, what he should have. The guy is mad that he is not hitting for average and is frustrated that he has not been more consistent. He's hitting 256 with 20 home runs and he wants to be better. He's saying all the right things. He's exactly who you want. A guy who can field, a guy who can hit. And honestly, he's been durable this year too. It was really unfortunate the last year and a half before this where he suffered that awful, oh God, injury. And of course, because of that, he had to sit out for all of that time. But as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, while there are some names that I am willing to think about moving, Chris Flexen's one of them. Kendall Graveman's one of them. Paul Seawald is one of them. Luis Torrens is one of them. Jake Fraley is one of them. Mitch Hanager is a guy that I do not want to see moved. I, I just don't think that you find bats and outfielders like that on a regular basis. And if you can extend him, you should try to find a way to do it. This is a guy who is a proven major league player who has had a really good season. 710 710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. One word to describe the first half of the Mariners season. One person says, wow, all caps. Another person says, teasing, teasing. Ooh, no! That's good, though. Why do you think teasing tease is good? A tease is not a bad thing. I know it's not a bad they are, thing.
0: Like they, it is teasing. It, it's definitely show, uh, To me, this is showing what's there's more to come. Okay. We talked about this earlier. There's reinforcements coming, not just this season, but next season, and then a year after that. I think this is a good tease.
1: If we were, if it was a tease. Though I feel like we'd see some of that tease too, right? I mean, it's more like that. It's it's a it's a dream. I think now when it comes to these younger players, like Kelnick's not up, Cal Raleigh's finally up, Logan Gilbert. I guess that's a tease of things to come. All right, you talked me into it, DJ. 206-421-3776 is how you call in to the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Oh, here he is. Robin in Kingston. Robin, what's going on? Hey, Paul.
3: How you doing? Doing wonderful. Um, Always good to hear from you.
1: Yeah, well, listen, my word, this is a very
3: you know supportive and positive call because we're going to have two other teams to help. You know, a nurse or support into maturity, uh, we've got the Kraken coming up and also I, I do believe that, uh, the NBA will return at some time and we're gonna have to take the same approach. So, I I, my projection after watching service and, uh, I should say Depoto and the service take over the team for the two, couple of years here, uh, rebuilding years, is they're extremely competent, so everything is lining up as far as I'm concerned. And so I think this is a prototypical rebuilding process in the year that's just before the year they get really good. Um they, they, it, And DePoto has told you, you haven't even seen the the actual strong lineup that they have because you've had people, you know, injured and you've had ups and downs and, you know, um uh, uh, Taking players from other organizations and and longtime, you know, f- like four uh, mm-hmm. A players and giving them a chance. This is a typical thing that goes on, you know. So I'm I'm very optimistic. I still have them one or two games over 500, but that's what I expect this year. And uh, okay. and I think next year they're going to be really good. So I'm psyched. Learned I like typically. this, Robin. Look Learned. at that, a positive call, Lawrence. <laughs> Learn something, Seattle. Learn something. You have two more teams to bring in. Come on, let's go. and can do better.
1: <laughs> That's Robin, Thanks, everybody. No problem, Robin. 206-421-3776. They're in the twilight. Twilight's a word here. And there's three different types of twilight. I learned this from uh, weather.gov. So essentially, twilight, astronomical twilight, or nautical twilight, it begins in the morning. And it ends in the evening. So this is, this is, I guess, right before the dawn actually comes up. Twilight. You're in that phase. I guess it would be also considered pre-dawn. So you could say that, too. 710-710 7, 10, 7, 10 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I tried to read all these definitions of different times, types of uh, types of twilight. And uh, my God, it's so confusing. Thank you, weather.gov. 710-710 uh, 7, 10, 7, 10, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Football. That's, that's not... That's not one Boo. word. Yeah, come on. Come on. We're, we're, we're going to wait. We're going to wait a little bit, okay? We're going to wait. They have been this good. They have been this good that we do not have to. It is sometimes hard to force the same Seahawks content in every single day. And don't get me wrong. Football is my favorite sport. The Seahawks are my favorite team to cover here. Blah, blah, blah. The NFL is my favorite league. You know that. But come on. What we saw this weekend was great. We hopefully are going to see Yusei Kikuchi in the All-Star Game tomorrow. We're hopefully going to see Jared Kelnick soon around the corner too. 710-710 Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. One word to describe the first half of the Mariners season. Interns. That's an interesting one. Now, the guys who have been best for you, J.P. Crawford, not an intern, but J.P. Crawford has been promoted essentially. J.P. Crawford has gone from being run-of-the-mill player to one of your managers. Oh, he's got a got a little badge on. Oh, he's wearing a polo and a vest. I guess that's what you would be if you were at a grocery store still. I remember you got a vest if you were one of the front end supervisors and you would walk around like you're some big deal. Oh, I got a clipboard. Look at me. I'm looking at the clipboards that no one comes up to me and talks to me and asks me where things are because I don't actually know where every single thing was in every single aisle. That was the worst part about working in a grocery store. I never actually studied up on because again, as we talked earlier, I was like 21 and I'm like, oh, I'm better than this. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I could memorize what's in every single aisle of a grocery store, but I also couldn't and then might just be able to figure it out. So that was always fun, like walking somebody like up and down the aisle and looking on the, <laughs> looking essentially at the signs at the top of the aisle. Hey, this is where everything is. Anyway, no one cares about that. 710-710, back at Jack's Brewery Company. Text slide. One word to describe the Mariners' season thus far. Michael Bumpus will answer that next. He joins me in the sports bit. Don't go anywhere.
0: It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports
3: pit.
2: In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some
0: frickin' toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. With
3: Paul on
1: And joining me in the sports pit, the one, the only, Michael Bumpus. Bump, what's going on? Happy Monday.
2: Happy Monday to you, sir. How you doing?
1: I am doing very well. Fun weekend for the Seattle Mariners, especially on Friday. You got J.P. Crawford with that amazing drawn-out at bat. You have Mitch Hanniger hitting the Grand Slam right afterwards everyone was wearing teal more importantly so they all looked extra handsome out there yeah it was a good it's been a good weekend uh bump for the mariners who wrapped up the first half of the season 5 games above 500
2: 5 games above 500 i don't think anyone saw these guys being here maybe like 0.05% of people thought so. But that's good, man. Whenever a team does something you don't expect or they perform at a higher level, it makes um, just for good moments. And that's what we've seen. Now we got T-Mobile Park that's open again, so the fans are in there Oof. cheering them on. It's almost like it happened at the right time. I'm having fun watching these dudes.
1: Friday. Especially, it looked particularly packed. And we went to the ballpark bump on Saturday. It was me, Stacy Rost, and Mike Lefko. We were sitting out in the center field bleachers. It's really cool to go back to the park. It's such a beautiful baseball park. So, to continue the question of the show, Bump, you got to describe the first half of the Mariners season, but you can only use one word to make it a little bit more difficult. What one word would you use to describe the Mariners' first half of the season? Uh, probably
2: uh, volatile. You know, just Ooh. you just you there's going to be changes, right? We really don't know what to expect. We can kind of ride the wave and the trend at the time, but there's going to be a time where they lose a couple of games or the pitching isn't on point or you can't get a hit or you give up six runs in the first couple of innings the the next game you're putting up runs in the first couple of innings. It's just a lot of ups and downs, smiles and frowns. But I think that makes for good moments and good baseball for this Bob club because no one thought they would be here. And it's it's almost like we're praising praising a team that's just above mediocre, right? Like, oh, they're just above average. Um, And some people might say we're overreacting to it. But I'm all about overreactions when it comes to these guys doing good. Whenever they do something good, like I said before, it's going to be like when my kid – um draws a picture that's just not on point right i'm like what what am i looking at i don't know what you just drew right now but because you know you're growing and you're learning i'm gonna act like it's picasso
1: it's the greatest thing in the world that's how i'm treating these mariners oh that's funny you know what when i was growing up there was this website and it used to make fun of little kids drawings and it was just absolutely mean <laughs> and brutal but it was really funny it just because a giant like di- like deep and mean breakdown of like hairy fire trucks and stuff like that anywho that, i like that word <laughs> volatile it's That's straight out of the chemistry class. Sounded like Eisenberg out here. (laughs) All right, right, Bob, I I have a question for you. And, look, we're we're the same age about. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on, first off, purchasing uh, the jersey of another player who plays a sport that you watch, especially if you cover that team. I really want to buy a J.P. Crawford jersey. (laughs) And I specifically want to buy a teal jersey because teal is, of course, the best Mariners uniform. There's no arguing this. yeah. Um, you know what? For me,
2: I could never buy another person's football jersey. And let's, it's like a legend, like a Jerry Rice or somebody like that. Me, personally, I'm like, man, I'm 35. Technically, I, I could still be in the game. So with football, I'm not buying nobody's jersey. That's okay. just, just high rock. But baseball, I feel like you can go out and do it, man. Um, especially this young team, they need some support. Um, they're They're a hot ticket right now. I see nothing wrong with it, especially because I didn't play baseball. But if you haven't played a sport, um, like professionally, or you don't feel like
1: these guys are your peers, man, go out and rock any jersey you want to. I like that. It's hard to find these J.P. Crawford jerseys, though. There are none at the ballpark. And I'm looking online, and it costs $800 million, give or take. And that's just not something I'm, I'm, I'm willing to spend. I feel like they should be more available. And Mariners, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out. Come on. Where where, am I, where are my teal J.P. Crawford jerseys? They should be at the ballpark. Okay, nobody, nobody cares about that. <laughs> uh, bump. I watched this movie, speaking of things nobody cares about, called Tomorrow War this weekend. It stars Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strahovski, uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty good. The premise of the movie is that, I guess, 50 years from now, there are going to be these aliens who come out of nowhere and they wipe us all off the face of the, plur- of the earth. So okay. there's this time-traveling band that in the middle of a soccer game just appears in the middle of the field, and they're like, hey, the aliens are going to kill us all. So they're basically warning the future about what's going to happen. But say someone did that, they just go back in time and all of a sudden appear in the middle of Lumen Field and they grab a microphone and they're going to make a big warning about the Seattle Seahawks. Of this coming season, what do you think that they would be going back in time to warn us about going into this year?
2: That's a great question, Paul. I don't think I've ever been asked anything like this. Thank you. (laughs) It involved a lot of thought and enhancements. I think they would say that... It's not going to be as smooth as possible, as you think it's going to be. It's not going to be this offense just coming out firing on all cylinders. Russell Wilson looking like an MVP. I think that there are going to be some hiccups here in the future, at least early in the season. So I think they would prepare people, be like, look, eventually they're going to get there. Eventually they're going to look like a high-powered offense, but you have to remember, you have a new offensive coordinator, a new language, Russell Wilson um, has to grab control of this offense. You have a new guy on the offensive line. There are just some moving pieces here. So I think they warn you and say, look, just be patient. Things are going to
1: work out, but initially there might be some bumps. You and Brock on the same page on this one. I like it. Okay. I, and honestly, I, I, I think that's, that makes sense. It's a new offense. There's Shane Waldron coming in. This is his first time as offensive coordinator. Russell Wilson's been doing things one way for, it seems like, a really long period of time. Uh, a question, this from a texter for you, Michael Bumpus. Bumpstradamus, right. could you please give a prediction on what Dwayne Eskridge is going to do this coming season as a rookie, the Seattle Seahawks' second-round rookie draft pick?
2: Dwayne Eskridge, what he's going to do is he's going to have some tackles on special teams. And he's also going to have 300, Ah, let's go 385 yards Ooh. and two touchdowns. Um, I think he's going to have one or two really big plays. But other than that, he's going to be acclimated slowly into this offense. But I think he's going to make an impact on special teams.
1: Okay, special teams guy. A question about something that Bobby Wagner told to the USA Today. Over the course of the past week, it might have been a weekend article, but he said some interesting things basically about what this offseason has been for the Seattle Seahawks. And I guess specifically the afterthoughts, the aftershocks of, you know, the summer or the spring of Russ quote. I think honestly, it's part of how the league works. If you lose and don't go to the big game. They always try to figure out what went wrong, what happened. And so I think after Russell made a couple of those comments, I think it was an opportunity for a lot of people to run with it. I definitely feel like it was a little overblown, but it's all water under the bridge right now. He's doing exactly what Pete Carroll stresses, protect the team. So, okay, maybe, just maybe, this is something that's in the past for the majority of the Seahawks. But I would imagine there are some Seahawks that are still thinking about this in some way, shape, or form, right? What percentage of Seahawks players do you think are – considering russell wilson's future at all or do people just move on in a locker room after stuff like this over the course of an off season
2: you know paul i think as soon as you show up and he has that helmet on and he has the jersey on it's over now i mean what what good does it do for a team to really dwell on the past even if you didn't agree with what russell wilson said how he said it who he said it to how his agent handled that stuff man that's that's the past now you need this man to show up every day and ball out and prepare. And I think that's what they're going to do. So if there's a percentage, I would have to say of people who, who might have some feelings, man, I'd say 5%. I mean, it, this is business at the end of the day. Now, this is a team sport. You got to have chemistry. You got to have camaraderie, but it's a business and people understand you need Russell for this thing to go. There's no, you're never going to win a battle at VMAC challenging Russell Wilson on what he did in February. I don't care who you are. But it just doesn't work that way. As soon as this man shows up and he's strapped up and he's ready to go, You leave it alone, you move on. This is Bobby Wagner just being a good soldier and understanding how this league works. That stuff is ancient history. Now it's time to try to win the division and hopefully get a Super Bowl bid.
1: That is Michael Bumpus, everybody, joining me in the sports pit. And we're going to get full shows, Bump and I, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Bump, looking forward to it, man. Let's get it. Have a good one, Paul. All right, that is Michael Bumpus, everybody, at Michael Bumpus 5 on Twitter. Okay, up next, you get to answer the question, the question of today's show on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. One word to describe the Mariners' first half of the season. And when it comes to Jared Kelnick, should he be back up on Friday, or is that too soon? The pros and the cons of that to wrap up the show next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the
3: Alaska Airlines studio.
1: Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. DJ playing one for the beehive. Right? This is this is Beyonce, right?
0: Yes, Beyonce and Jay-Z.
1: Okay, not Ciara. Got it. No. Okay. The Ciara hive came after me last week. That was fun. Not. Listen, Russell Wilson's a little, little little corny on Instagram. I I can appreciate his authentic corny self. I can't appreciate the I want to be an Instagram influencer thing. It's just not happening, buddy. Anywho, 710 710 of the Mac and Jack Brewing Company text line. It sounds like Jared Kellings is going to be back with the Mariners on Friday. At least that's what I'm reading through the Seattle Times and Ryan Divish, who covers this team. And we'll, we'll try to get some more clarity on that in the days to come. But a texter asks this Why would you bring him back so he can break the Major League Baseball hitless streak? I believe he was at 28. Might even might even have been longer than that. Uh, But I think DJ Wilder, behind the glass, and I are on the same page on this. It's weird how many people are out on Kelnick. It was bad. Don't get us wrong. It was bad. He was awful in his start in the majors. He had a couple of nice moments, and then as things continued and spiraled, he did not handle the spiraling well. He spiraled while things were spiraling. You don't want that. Spiralers, they are difficult. And I will say this as a spiraler myself. I get worked up about one thing and all of a sudden it turns into a million different things. And usually it's one small, very minimal thing that gets me out of my groove. Like for example, someone texting in once during um during the show. You know, I don't mind people calling me like I don't know, the other F bomb or 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 other other bad words or death threats or things like that. What I don't mind what I do mind is when someone says your apartment's dirty. He was doing a show at home once, and that just made me really mad. I got really mad. I was like, actually, it's clean. And then I started spiraling, and I got a little bit crazy. For Jared Kelnick, Kelnick is one of those guys who really cares about every single at-bat. And I also think that he cares about what people think of him at this point. And look, a lot of athletes will tell you that they don't feel that – they don't have that uh, sentiment in the back of their head. But, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. did. Everybody does to an extent. I don't know that Kelnick has necessarily learned – long enough the habits that he needed to reshape and reform over the course of the past month and he's been down there since June 7th I don't think he's learned it quite and I I feel like you need a little bit more time he is playing well right now no doubt but there's a part of me that feels like you kind of want to reinforce that he needs to stay true to the process a little bit longer because it's not about It's not necessarily about his approach in the majors as much as it's been his difficulty in accepting that he is going to fail from time to time. So maybe at the minor league level, he's feeling a little bit better about it. But this is the weird thing. If you're at the minor league level, you're going to build up your confidence a little bit more. You come back to the major league level, you struggle again. All right, well, what happens if it's the second time you come up and it's the second time where you're not doing so hot? So this is a difficult, I think, decision for the Mariners to make. But I would understand why they bring him up on Friday. Because here's the other thing that you have to keep in mind. AAA is not good. It's not. It's it's not a good challenge for future Major League hitters. And he is not being challenged right now. Much like he wasn't being challenged earlier this year. Which is why I was okay with them bringing him up early. But, you know, in retrospect, probably was a little bit rushed. And they probably should have pulled the plug on him a little bit earlier. Two. Before it got to a borderline historic hitless streak. Seven ten seven ten Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The twenty eight game hit. Excuse me. The twenty eight at bat hitless streak was the Mariners' old record. Kelnick shattered that. Yeah, it's over thirty nine. Good call. Uh, Paul calling anyone corny is funny in itself. Go DJ. That's from Fred. Yeah, I know. I, I believe you though. I, I think the real question would be who's cornier, Danny or Paul? That's a tough one to answer because we're each corny in our own
0: different ways. Danny's got some puns. And I'm always down for a good pun.
1: See, but Danny's so good and sharp with the puns, DJ. I feel like that also makes him cool at the same time. It's like not quite rapping, like freestyle rap, but it's free ty- freestyle punnery. And uh, I'll just be perfectly honest I'm not smart enough to do that. My brain, not that big. Me, no think words on fly like that. So uh, a little bit difficult. If Kelnick is brought up, There is danger if it doesn't work out this time around. There is danger. And I, I I don't think you rush him back. He's doing well. It's 12 games. You know, let's let's see him continue this for a little bit longer. Are you in a rush to bring him up right now? Like do you think if you bring him up he is going to be a guy who helps the team out? Cuz I don't think you want to bring up a guy for the sake of bringing him up because he's young and then do some of the same things that we have seen from franchises like the Philadelphia 76ers of late. Like, I don't want none of that loser juice in my franchise. Nope. And the Sixers, I brought this up a million times, the Sixers made it okay to lose. And I think that that, in a way, with both Joel and Embiid and in Ben Simmons, you have seen it. Like, that process that they tried to follow, it was just accepted that they didn't have to win for such a long period of time. And I don't think that you want to tell all the veterans on your team right now it's more about the development of the younger players than it is about winning now. Now, winning now should not be a reason that you approach things differently at the trade deadline or anything like that. And by the way, keep Mitch Haniger. If we learned anything this weekend, Mitch Haniger needs to stay. Do we need to create T-shirts? Do we need to start a GoFundMe? I don't know. I know Mitch Hanager needs to stay. I know with Jared Kelnick, you better make sure that you think he can do this at the major league level. And I, I don't think that 12 games has necessarily proven that. I'm Paul Gallant, 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, text line. A texter said that he saw Richard Sherman at his restaurant last night. Ooh. Is there a chance of Seattle bringing him back? I don't think so. Now, I think this is a, this is going to be a, hey, what do we have in August kind of move? Preseason, training camp, how do you feel about that second corner position? And that's the other thing, too. I think Sherman's going to have to accept that he's not necessarily the number one corner here. I do think that he would have the ability to beat out DJ Reed, don't get me wrong. And I like DJ Reed. Everyone says I don't like DJ Reed. I really like DJ Reed's play, I really do. I'm just hesitant to say that this guy is a definitive number one corner after eight games last year at the end of the season against quarterbacks like banged up Kyler Murray and Jared Goff and all that. like This is, this is going to be a tougher slate of quarterbacks that they go up against. Even starting in week one, Frank Reich uh, matched up with Carson Wentz again. Like That's going to be tougher than it was Carson Wentz in Philadelphia this past season. So I think it's possible, but I really don't think that the Seahawks are going to go that direction until they know, what is a killer witherspoon bringing to the table? If there are some injuries in training camp, if somebody gets hurt, Marquise Blair goes down again, or something like that. All right, maybe. Right now, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. A texter says Sherman lives in Seattle in the off season. Yeah, but I do think that that's a possibility still. This off season, it's been it's been brought up, and he is he has brought it up. I think Pete Carroll right now is not willing to go that route, but I don't think that he would necessarily say no to that entirely i Paul Gallant. This was the Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to DJ Wilder for producing this bad boy. Big thanks to Jason Churchill joining me on the Danny and Gallant radio program, as did Rally Kid. That was awesome. And Michael Bumpus, of course, as well. I am really Paul Gallant. Jake and Stacy is next. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Monday.